Yo, yo, welcome back to our countdown of the 100 greatest comics from the Threads and Dreads podcast. Again, it is Sean and myself here today. We are going through the 100 greatest comic books by Jerry Weist. Uh, last time we were here, we ended at number 89, which was Journeys into Mystery, first appearance of Thor. And we are just going to keep kind of trudging through. Let's uh, do it. Sean, any kind of updates from you for the last week since since uh, we did one of these? Not so much. Um, I kind of wanted to continue with our conversation before we dive right into yeah. it, you know, because you would ask me, oh, what, you know, how did you get introduced to comics and stuff? And I didn't ask you the same. So what was your kind of introduction? Um, I think it was kind of a similar route of finding my cousin always had comics. Um, a lot of people I knew were just always older kids always had comics and I thought yeah. that was like the coolest thing. So being a thrifter from a super young age, just finding comics at thrift stores and kind of collecting those hodgepodge random issues. Plus at the time I was biggest Batman, the animated series fan, yes. uh, OG Spider-Man cartoon. Well, I guess not the nineties. I claim that one to be like the pinnacle Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just loving all those things. And also I've always just been a fan of vintage clothing and comic book tees to me are just the ultimate grail of like old mega print shirts that just have a million characters or literally just panels ripped from comics that are like put onto a shirt over the whole thing. Yeah. And those are so crazy. Cause you see, especially people now, uh, Shout out Marvel Addicts, Marvel Trading Post people. But they'll pull the exact art. Like, they're contacting artists and getting tees from their sons that are like, hey, my dad had a bunch of these in the basement because you get a full size run if you if they use your art. Yeah. So they're just, like, literally finding these shirts from people's basements and getting these shirts you've never seen with art or, like, colors that you've never seen them in. And it's just so crazy. So that was kind of the thing that always – drew me in plus there's so much to comics yeah that it's not just like you can just like spider-man if you want or you can try to figure out every character that's ever been in oh, yeah. a universe and that's such a huge thing for me because i'm such an add person that i just want to know everyone's backstory oh it's a very easy rabbit hole to yeah it's stuck down and now with everything that's in comics you have a whole alternate history that it's so fun to go through that you're like, whoa, this, I wish this was the world we lived in. <laughs> like, I would love a good supervillain coming through. Yeah, you know, just to shake things up a it little bit. It shakes up the day a little <laughs> bit, you know? The city's under attack. We live in Cleveland, dude. No one's coming. <laughs> if we, we would get a B-level villain at best, we wouldn't even get, like... Frank Jackson. <laughs> yeah, we would yeah, we, get uh, a mayor trying to build a dirt bike track that we <laughs> that a superhero has to tear down. Yeah. Not a comic book. Actually happened. It's actually, <laughs> actually real. But, um, yeah, let's just jump back in. Uh, like I said, we are at number 88. Uh, this next 10 actually does have some pretty historical oh, ones yeah. I think are more in our wheelhouse. Uh, a lot of the previous ones were kind of the early 50s, 60s ones that people aren't as knowledgeable of or remember as much because I don't think they have – as much of a direct impact mm -hmm. on culture as like a Thor or an Avengers or something like that. But they do kind of pave the way. They have their place. More or less. Yeah. And as you kind of, even reading about them, you kind of get why a lot of these got put in here to see, oh, this was the beginning of sci-fi comics coming into play or these were certain creators working on stuff. So I'm excited to get into these. Yes, let's um, do it. At number 88, we have Fawcett Movie Comics number 15. Okay. So the big thing about this, um, I only know Fawcett because I'm pretty sure Fawcett was later bought out by Marvel Comics. Um, I know that during the 50s, 60s, a lot. that's when Comics Code came into play. So a lot of these smaller companies just ended up getting bought out by your DCs and your Marvels. Um, but the big thing about this was it was one of the few horror comics that ended up making it in the 50s. Was it a movie or is that just what It they was call a movie. Okay. So a lot of these 
Fawcett basically realized people loved these movies that were coming out, westerns, horror movies, um, war movies, stuff like that, and figured they could just capitalize on it and basically go, hey, you guys like that movie? Do you want a comic version of it that has <laughs> more to do with it? And people were so enamored. with Movies at that time were so new, I feel like, too, that people yeah. were like, holy fuck, there's more to the story? Let's go get this. What year is that? This was this came out in the fifties. Okay. Um, so the official book, yeah, it looks like it came out in the early fifties. There were really only three horror ones that came out at the time because horror movies just weren't as big in the fifties. I feel like people were still kind of on the Americana tip, right? So it's like a lot of westerns, a lot of like pro Americans being badasses to try and like stop bad guys. Where Man from Planet X basically sounds like a First Encounters type story of people being like, oh, we're on the fucking moon. It was a little more underground, for sure. Yeah, I think think horror comics have always been a little bit more underground, but they're just more collectible to everyone. Yes. Um, That does kind of lead into number 87, Magnus Robot Fighter, number (sighs) one, um, which, again, is kind of in that same time period of... I want to say the 1950s, but a big thing to loop back to our last episode, the gentleman who does the art on Magnus Robot Fighter was the same guy who did Tarzan. Okay. So this guy, he's on his second second entry on the (laughs) list here since we did have Tarzan on the last one. But the funny thing I saw on this was if you've ever been to the PM Thread shop, you know we love some Isaac Asimov. Uh, historic sci-fi writer, but they do use the Isaac Asimov rule, the alleged robot golden rule of a robot may not harm or injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to be injured. Oh, for real? Which I'm pretty sure... I thought that was just iRobot. As soon as I read it, I was like, fuck, dude, that's an iRobot too. Right. So I'm glad that that's just the general rule for robots that we're hoping if they ever do become sentient, that they read that and they're like, I guess we're not supposed to kill anyone? Yeah. Which I don't think robots. Tell it to those uh, those self-driving Uber cars. Yeah, the self-driving Uber cars. I know there's been some incidents. Are they still doing that? I feel like self-driving cars is... I don't know. I'll call Elon see what he says. I Self-driving cars seems so sketch <laughs> to me. I've never even been in a Tesla. If someone just took their hands off the wheel, I'd be like, fuck, dude. Right. Yeah, they look like spaceships. That's all about all I know. But shout out to uh, Tesla for having badass space suits. Yes. <laughs> that was uh, one of Elon's number one rules in designing the SpaceX space suits was they had to look badass. Oh, yeah. I mean... If you're going to do it, you got to do it in style. It just goes to show that Elon Musk is really just a 13-year-old kid with a couple billion dollars to be like, it better all look cool. <laughs> if anyone makes fun of me for looking lame, I'm going to murder someone. <laughs> and I had the money to do it. He's a character. He he could be a comic book character. He Honestly, Elon borderline Musk. Borderline villain. <laughs> borderline villain, for sure. He's in that Lex Luthor zone. <laughs> He's just like one radiation experiment away to lose <laughs> all of his hair and be like yeah and now my son uh xjy pi r is gonna come and fuck everyone up <laughs> all right so let's move on to number 86 which is actually one that people are going to be a little more familiar with first appearance of the green lantern you a big green lantern guy you know i i am actually um there's just something about it the the fact that this ring can create anything yeah. I just think it's so cool and the fact that there's more than one you know that I think that was a really cool interesting new um, concept they had in for comic books and superheroes quick GL trivia do you know how many Green Lanterns are in the core in the actual core in the GL core damn that I didn't what's I'm gonna guess I'm gonna guess a thousand. All right. It's actually 3,600. 3,600? Yes. I wasn't way far off. And for some reason, Earth has like six. <laughs> they were like, it's one for each quadrant except Earth because Earth <laughs> rocks and you guys get six Green Lanterns. Yeah, I've actually been reading a uh, Green Lantern run right now that was done. Uh, it was Dave Gibbons, who, of course, did Watchmen. Okay. And Len Wein, who did uh, X-Men. And he, he created Wolverine or helped create Wolverine. Yeah. So he's a big name as well. 
um, he did the writing and Gibbons did the um, illustrations. And it, it's just something about the two of them working together. And it was a real cool Green Lantern story. They was did. it? Um, was it a Hal Jordan? It's Hal Jordan, yeah. Yeah, so this one, to be clear, is the Silver Age reintroduction to Green Lantern. Right. So it's not the Alan Scott Golden Age where I don't even – the story of Alan Scott is kind of fucking And that's stupid. the one with, like, the yellow costume. He has – Yellow and red. It's, like, of. yellow and red, and he's got a cape, and yeah. the only thing his ring can affect is wood. Oh, that's right. For some reason, <laughs> which, again, in 1940s and 50s is probably not – the best thing to have as your weakness because i feel like back then a bunch of shit was made from wood. yeah like what a rant they're like mm, anything with metal he'll fuck up right if it's a wooden ship though this guy's chalked <laughs> out of luck but then they moved on who's your favorite green lantern from earth i, I do like hal jordan but I-, I do like john stewart as well yeah i feel like john stewart Definitely got his shine from like the Justice League cartoons yeah. and everything. Oh, Phil, shout out Phil Lamar. Oh. Does an amazing job as Jon Stewart. Um, who's the one Green Lantern? Like the ginger one with like the pumpkin pie. That cut. is Guy Gardner. Yeah, yeah. The worst. Guy, <laughs> I feel like they've. One, I think it's just very weird again that there's no real clear reason to me why Earth has technically five Green Lanterns now yeah. plus. A girl who has a power ring from the uh, Justice Syndicate from, like, an alternate world. Because they have... We got Hal Jordan. Uh, we have Guy Gardner, John Stewart, Kyle Rayner, Simon Baz, and power ring is a girl named Jessica something. But, yeah, we now have five Green Lanterns. In the DC universe on planet Just Earth. Just on Well, or, or sector Well, yeah. Two, zero, Whatever eight, four. our sector <laughs> is. But then I know recently, um, I want to say it was Jeff Johns might have done a whole run on Green Lantern, which was super in-depth. He did the whole Darkest Night thing, um, which kind of reestablished the Green Lanterns as like a police force yeah. in space, which I, that's the part I fuck with. That right. it's like hey, space is wild. We should probably have some cops out there. But at the same time, I'm like, who gave these who gave these guys fucking power to do this? <laughs> so it's just one group of the fucking, what are the blue guys called? The, the Watchers? The Guardians. The Guardians. Yeah. And they're, and they're like, older than time. Is like yeah, which thing. makes no sense ever. They, <laughs> comics love to be like, they were here before anything else. Yeah. And you're like, it sounds like there was a million people here before anything else. Were they all just in a fucking white area being like, someone needs to do something. They're just waiting. Yeah. <laughs> is someone going to do something soon? Because we're bored as fuck before time right now. Now, is it Gil Kane? The, is he the artist? He's the artist on that one, right? He, or he didn't just uh, Let's see. Art-wise, on this one, we are rocking with... Yeah, Gil Kane was the illustrator on it. Yeah, so that's like... There, he did a lot of Green Lanterns, and that we're talking, you know, Silver Age in general. The that art style is really cool. There's something about it that's like really just. It, it, I mean, looks like World War II almost like it, yeah. propaganda posters, but in the best way possible. I, no, I totally <laughs> agree. I think it's using that art style almost for like a good. And I think that's what sold, especially back then, is people getting on that train of like, cool. I remember this kind of art. And then seeing a whole new side to it. Yeah. Where, yeah, Silver Age was definitely where everyone just came back. Golden Age is the forgotten times. Mm -hmm. I feel like no one goes back to... Really, the only ones that survived it in DC were, what, Superman, Batman? Batman. The Golden Age Batmans, I don't know if you've ever actually read them. The word bubbles are like like short stories. Yeah, like for one panel, like it's they go way too into de- detail with all that stuff. Well, that's the crazy. Every single conversation. Oh yeah, they have, and it's just small little shit where it's like, can someone grab me a glass of water, please? And they're like, well, what kind of glass? And you're like, we don't need this conversation <laughs> in this fucking comic. And also, Golden Age people all looked fucking absurd. Yeah, like the that art style versus Silver Age is. Dude, fucking dollars to donuts. It is, like, yeah. New Silver Age was so much better where I feel like people honed their craft a lot more. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because people actually understood comics at that point. The art was better. The stories, I won't say were better or worse because that's when like we were saying the comic code came into things. Exactly. You know, like I, I bought a, or I 
got a book from the library. It was just Batman's from the fifties, and the stories are just absurd. Like, there's a couple cool first appearances, like Mister Freeze. But even but, back then, too, Mister Freeze, Joe character, all yeah. those characters had they were so one dimensional because at least villain wise and stuff like that, they were so one dimensional because no one thought about make an empathetic villain. Make a character that people are drawn to. Yeah. It was so directed towards kids, I think, that they were like, a kid's not going to get this. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, you know, 50 years later, they make like the best Mr. Freeze story on a kid's animated show. Yes. With Heart of with, Ice. Oh, okay. I like, I like Sub Zero is the one, one the I The Sub Zero one's really cool. good. I think Heart of Ice was technically, because that was the reinvention of right. Mr. Freeze. I think up to then, he was just a joke, like, Pretty much cold. He was the cold miser, but (laughs) just in a Batman thing. Like, I feel like he wore a blue like fur coat. Yeah. And then they're like, what if his wife's dead? Well, not dead, but she's frozen and he's got to save her. And they're like, perfect. Think about Arnold Schwarzenegger now. (laughs) Now we're talking the best Batman without a doubt. The Batman Robin. The best worst Batman. Oh, the best worst. One of the best worst movies. Like when they were, because who was it? Joel Schumacher made it? Yeah. Yeah. The Bat Debit card. Yeah. The Bat. Never leave the cave without it. Never leave the cave without (laughs) it. As Batman and Robin are at a like women's auction to buy like a date with Poison Ivy, they were like, this seems normal. Let's use our debit cards. Well, they get into a bidding war there. But I heard a thing about Schumacher on uh, on the set of that movie. Like, yeah. Right before they'd start r- rolling a scene, he'd go, "Remember, everybody, this is a comic book." <laughs> like, oh so my he God. wanted it very campy, and his heart was in the right place. We'll say I, that. I do get it, and I think everyone's always has these fucking rose-colored glasses on for the <laughs> 1960s Batman. Yes. Oh my that, God. Yeah. I just I thought it was fine. I remember seeing the movie for it. Yeah, when I was like a little kid. The shark repellent. Yeah, and it's fine, but it doesn't hold anything to me that I'd be like, yeah, this is why I got to see the new Batman because it's campy as fuck. <laughs> like he has skates built into his boots. Yeah. The, that would be yeah. the dumbest, most biggest waste of time. But that's very like 1950s Batman time. Like those Exactly, runs, where yeah, he crazy. always has like some dumb fucking tool to be like, oh, I've got the yeah. shark repellent. He was the original go-go gadget. Yeah, because Joel Schumacher did Batman Forever too, right? Yes, With, I do. I do like that one. I like all the Batman movies. I'm just sucker I, for Batman. I agree. I think I like that it went from the darkest person you could get to do him being Tim Burton, yeah, to the campiest human being who was like, "Let's make it like a Broadway play." <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, "Uh, I guess so." I want to see. I heard there is an alternate. It's kind of like the Snyder cut for Justice League. <laughs> okay. But it's the Schumacher cut for Batman Forever. Oh, oh, I have heard about this. That yeah, has yeah. like a bunch of extra Two-Face scenes yep. and Riddler scenes. I want to see all... That's the shit I want. The two of them made that movie. They I did, agree. They did great. I think they could have done Jim Carrey a little bit better. Yeah. Or given him more screen time. That's the hard part is you want the... I want the villains developed. I, th- I thought it was a good balance. I do want to see this cut, though. I, that's what I'm saying. I yeah. want I want to see Justice League, the Snyder cut. Yeah. I want to see, apparently there's a Suicide Squad, um, whoever the fuck directed that, the cut of that. <laughs> but that movie was also just a complete sham yeah. of, it was just a money grab. As it, soon as they played that oh, Eminem yeah. song and had Harley Quinn or Margot Robbie get into the traditional harley quinn outfit i was like well this fucking sucks dude <laughs> as soon as i heard two trailer park boys go around the outside around the Is outside that, i must have blocked that out of my memory oh it's hor. it's when they're all suiting up they yeah. do like a real classic suit up montage where they're like thank god we kept all of your weapons here at the prison <laughs> because that's how you know safety works if you ever got loose you could still have your uh you know your freeze gun with you yeah or your boomerangs, which I guess isn't really that dangerous. <laughs> but I am excited for new Suicide Squad, directed by James Gunn. Yeah. About to come in and crush it. Because mm-hmm. as we've said, James Gunn, real good in the game. Oh, yeah. James Gunn, Taika Waititi, two best comic book directors, yeah. in my opinion. 
They do a good job. And wrapping up this Green Lantern, we're not even going to mention the movie. <laughs> no, it's oh, but what I will say is HBO Max doing a Green Lantern show. Okay, that could be good. That's and from my understanding, it's supposed to be heavily space cop based. Yes. So instead, and that's of, the best. Green Lantern is the best when he's in space. Same yeah. with like the X Men. They're just they're just funner when they're in space. They don't need to be on Earth because a lot of that shit. To me, I'm like, oh, if there's a nuke getting dropped, you're the Green Lantern. Grab that shit in a bubble. Take that out to space, dude. I feel like there's not a lot the Green Lantern can't handle on Earth. Yeah. So it makes the stories have no weight to them, mm-hmm. where it's like, let's get out into space and like check some other shit out. Well, I hate to dwell on this book for too long, but like seriously, like this... The Dave Gibbons Len Wine run yeah. I'm reading is awesome, just with that cool stuff he does in space. Like, the first panel of the one... Um, he there's like asteroids coming to okay. destroy a, destroy a planet. So he turns his ring into like a pool cue and knocks them around. Like that's so cool. It, it's people regard that as like one of the coolest things that he did with the ring. And I think that's I love when people have unique ways of using the ring. Yeah. Versus just the very like I said, my simplistic smooth brain only thinks of like hey just put a bubble around it and take it out into space (laughs) where they're like oh i'm gonna make a baseball bat and i'll hit it out of the park and you're like yeah i wouldn't have gone that far he does goofy stuff like the one he like turns it into like a catcher's mitt and he like yeah catches these villains before they splat on the ground i kind of fuck with that though because that is that fun campy part where if you can mix that with the space cop theme yeah i would be super into it and that's why I do like that Green Lanterns have a couple people because everyone has their own ways to use the ring. But enough on Green Lanterns because we could go on all day. We're about to jump into one of the biggest characters of 80s, 90s. All right. So as I was saying, we are going to jump into probably one of the big heroes or i guess anti-heroes of the 80s 90s so at number 85 we have the amazing spider-man 129 first appearance of the punisher any initial punisher thoughts uh i have friends that are like way more into punisher than me okay I, i always thought he was a cool character yeah um you know, I I always like the analogy that he's the most badass dude that can rock the white go-go boots, you know? Yeah, he, <laughs> I think also at the time, like 80s, 90s, Punisher was prime American, like, mentality yeah. of what people were like, this is cool. Yeah, it was like early 70s, right? Things were getting I a little think, grittier. Yeah, I think he sure. came out in, yeah, so it was actually, yeah, 1974, and then he just grew and grew from... They were saying from 74, once he got introduced, he basically just started showing up in every book. Yeah. And this was after Comics Code was already in place, where Frank Castle, contrary to what a lot of people wearing shirts now would make (laughs) you think, he did not like authority very much. He was not a fan, no. No, he definitely was killing anyone and everyone he could, but with all the popularity, Marvel just kept putting him in book after book after book, and then we eventually get the long-awaited Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie. Oh, God. Have you actually seen that movie? I have not seen the Dolph Lundgren Punisher one, but I want to so bad. Yeah, I I never checked that one out. Nothing would make me happier than the Dolph Lundgren Punisher crossing over with the David Hasselhoff Nick Fury. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, the the OGs of the OG, because that's when this had to have been right around the time Marvel used to struggle like crazy. Like they, even with, I think they were just mismanaged a ton. They were. Which led them having to sell off properties left and right. That's where you get all those weird old or weird 90s movies or 80s movies that your Punishers, your um, Nick Furies, your Fantastic Fours, where they were just almost like B movies. Yeah, well, they sent stan out to la to kind of yeah do that and work with you know media and try to get some get some rights get some some money they were flowing, yeah you know? and that's really what it was was i think i don't think stan was the world's best businessman right i think stan lee was a phenomenal public figure yes but i have a strong feeling he hadn't looked at the books in a long time <laughs> uh because they were just selling shit off at, they were selling fucking filing cabinets at marvel at one point yeah yeah they were like dude whatever someone wants to buy 
let him come in and buy this shit, dude. Because we need. Because this was the same time. Uh, I believe it's like in the early '80s when they do the Japanese uh, Spider-Man show. Yeah, it was like late '70s. Yeah. yeah. So it's this. They were well, just the Hulk was the first big one that they sold. The Hulk was the first big and one. People that they loved sold. it. So and Stan's like, hey, you know, maybe I can do this a couple more times, whether it's a movie or TV show. And it's so weird because at the time he never would have thought that getting all of those names under one banner would have been the way to go because they were just sprinkling that shit out to anyone who had money. Yeah, and so it's, it's well, it's like you know, I'll tell you what about Stan. Like, he was tenacious though. He knew that these were cool characters, and he had. Good ideas. Correct. It was more basically like he was just waiting for the technology to catch up to. It, it, I think it was that. And doing I him think, just do the stories justice. Yeah, I think he, he was such an ideas man that I would have no problem imagining a lot of the characters that he was famed for creating. He created a good 50% and someone else created the other tangible 50% yeah. of it. Oh, and they all have different stories between yeah. him and Kirby. You know, it's, oh, well, I would, did mostly that, you know. And it's hard to it's hard to not credit an artist to creating something when I'm an ideas man as well. Yeah. I just say shit yeah, and hope <laughs> someone better than me can make it. But I described it to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've never, anything I've ever helped make, I always try to give credit to the person who actually was in Photoshop or actually <laughs> put real labor into it, where me, I'm just a fucking fountain that's just staying on, just yeah. pouring ideas out that people are like, I guess some of these are good, and then some of these really suck. And I think that's where Stan was, was he was just like, Hey, how about I just keep talking for the next 50 years and let's see what we get. <laughs> Excelsior. Well, cuz even um there's a new show on Disney Plus for Marvel that's basically just one shots of random stories of whether it's covering diversity in creators, uh kind of more background characters. Oh, I did scroll past it. But that, the yeah. first one is about the Japanese version of Spider-Man. Okay. And how basically it has nothing to do with Spider-Man right. in the first place, which is amazing. And then everyone at Marvel was so against it when they first saw like the episodes. And Stan Lee just starts clapping. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, yeah, no, we were fucking around with you, dude. We did like that. <laughs> because Stan Lee's like, perfect. This seems like they're going to love it. <laughs> and you're like, all right, man, you just want this money. Yes. And that's what that's why he loved I bet he loved, he relished in being in all the Marvel movies. Yeah. Like all oh, those yeah, little cameos. It. That was his, I feel bad that he didn't get that until the very end. Because I feel like he, what was his first probably cameo? Spider-Man, Sam Raimi 1? Uh, either that or... Um, was he in the X-Men? Yes. He did do cameos yes. for the X-Men movies? Yeah. Um, I know for sure the third one, I remember him briefly in that. He had to have been the first. Second. That was like part of the contract. Like oh, that's I always guess, yeah. yeah. He, he, we, that was it. his last like contract amendment. Was he was just like, and I have to be in all the movies. Minor roles, I'm yeah. fine. Just guy in the background. Yeah, and they were happy to do it for him. And I agree with it. It's a lot of the scenes too. People started looking forward yeah. to it, and I think they paid great tribute to it. In fuck, was it Guardian or no Doctor Strange when he technically plays he's talking to the watcher is that in strange is that in strange or is that i think in... that's in the guardians 2 okay it might be guardians 2 i could be but yeah yeah because they're like going like they're, light speed. oh they're going hyperspeed dude that that that's that great and i didn't catch it till like the second time I'm like wait that's the watcher because i had just read um uh fantastic 448 yeah so i was like oh shit that's him well and it's such it's one of those things that people always speculated and that's why i think your james guns and your taika watiti's do a great job at directing these yeah. movies because they do add a little bit of fan service where in reality they're like, listen, this Stanley cameo means absolutely fucking nothing in relation to the story arc of this movie. Yeah. So let's just let it be whatever the fans want it to be. And then as soon as they did that, fans were like, well, I don't know. Cause this, this technically doesn't make sense now. Watcher, and you're oh like, God. oh my God, we get it. You watched Iron Man 2 600 times, <laughs> and now you're going to point out some stupid fucking error that they're like, we made him a watcher. What the fuck else do you want? We're not going to adjust the whole timeline for yeah. a scene that's about 10 seconds. <laughs> but I did love that because it's they're actually listening to people 
am wanting them to be involved. Yeah. Oh, they're great about that. Who, uh, who is your favorite Punisher in a live action role, though? So I, I know the Dolph Lundgren did one, and then remember we, were t- we mentioned Thomas Jane on the last Thomas episode. Jane, yeah. And I've seen parts of that movie. I like that it was a little gritty. I never watched the whole thing, but the parts I did see were pretty gritty, which it should be. Yeah, know, Punisher. But was there there? Oh, the uh, there's from Walking Dead. There's so there's actually two more. There's the Punisher, uh, Thomas Jane. Yeah. Then they did a second Punisher in that series, kind of that has. Oh my God! It's called Punisher Warzone. Oh yeah, I remember when and that came out. It's kind of campy. It's kind of like an extreme like B movie where it's like yeah. dudes doing parkour and shit. <laughs> I vaguely remember that coming out, but I can't remember for the life of me who played him. It Ray Stevenson. Didn't look it up on IMDb, I promise you, but yeah. So it was Ray Stevenson who did it, and he actually he does a pretty good job at being the Punisher. Oh, yeah. I do think uh John Bernthal gets the most screen time to develop the Punisher, the one from was he in Daredevil season two? And yeah. Then gets his own uh, season. Yeah, that actor is great. I just know him as Shane from The Walking Dead. He'll I know, always, and he was he'll only, always be Shane. Wasn't he only in like two seasons of Walking Dead, and then they? Yeah, like two. They do zombies get him, or does Rick uh, kill him after he realizes he fucked? His I think wife? he gets bit. Yeah, and there was some some wife fucking involved. Yeah, <laughs> Frank's like whatever, dude. Fucking eat this guy. <laughs> but when this Punisher came in, and, that, that, and that's why Spider-Man's so great, because it always goes through these lulls, and then like something cool happens. 100%. Because like, they were doing weird stuff with Spider-Man, like early 70s, like Harry Osborn gets hooked on drugs. Oh, that was that was always like a big... They I, always got to shake it up a little bit. You know, oh, kill Gwen Stacy, sure. <laughs> yeah, just, just off the... And all, for, of all the ways for Gwen Stacy... And that Stacey, was like four issues later, I think. Yeah, it wasn't long after that that I, Gwen Stacy gets killed. But also, how many people has Spider-Man saved... The same way he saves Gwen, tries to save Gwen Stacy. Yeah. But apparently she just has the weakest spine yeah. in that Marvel universe. <laughs> bird and, bones, yeah. <laughs> old bird bones over here snaps her neck getting saved. I, people talk about that when they read that panel. And it's probably going to be like in the top 20, oh, I'd imagine. I guarantee yeah. you that's going to be. But like, it's like, man, I remember just reading that little snap. And it's like very small print, too. And yeah, because they're, they're, like, they, they're like, I just like cringe like oh my god but it's so people were like i felt like my girlfriend died that's what uh, these comic book nerds <laughs> said yeah that was the closest they were gonna get yeah. <laughs> honey if i ever have to save you with my webs i'm just gonna let you fall into the water because <laughs> honestly she probably stood just as good a chance falling into the water right. wasn't it off a bridge it's not the, it's not the fall that kills you it's the webbing it's, that it's snaps the webbing that snaps your neck. <laughs> What did that always happen to Spider-Man? And he was just like, fuck, I lost another one. (laughs) And they were like, I was falling from a tree, dude. You could have let me be. (laughs) The sudden whiplash broke my neck and I'm paralyzed. Uh, Well, he he learned that day. He he wasn't going to make that mistake again. This is true. I am hoping they bring back John Bernthal, though, for the Marvel MCU. Okay. Because we just passed the point that Netflix characters are now allowed to go back into... The, the movies? Marvel movies. Who was the first? Uh, Daredevil was the first one. So basically, Netflix had a deal with Marvel Entertainment that after our show's air, I think it's a three-year grace period, that after the last season of that show, they have to wait three years okay. before it can get reincorporated. And now we're just hitting that point of like, once one of them goes, it's literally a month's period. Because they used to release those shows consecutive yeah that's why i had trouble keeping up with them like i've only seen like half of the first season of daredevil i liked it i just was kind of overwhelmed it's, after a yeah while. it's a lot i would it's say good though it's i good. would say the daredevil one is worth it uh season one of jessica jones yeah i heard that's good i heard really, luke cage is like unwatchable uh i would say iron fist more unwatchable than luke oh cage. really yeah <laughs> iron fist is pretty brutal the dude they got to play it just wasn't He's not a great actor. He looks like he's acting really hard every time. <laughs> and also in that first season of Iron Fist, they had to basically learn fight choreography on the spot. Okay. So all the fighting in it, which for someone whose whole deal is being the master of kung fu, yeah. you should probably have good fight scenes. <laughs> And they all just look super cardboard and just yeah. very like wonky. That's a super power you can't see just CGI. It's yeah, gotta be it's tough. something yeah. that you could just do a really good. Give me a good old boy style scene like they do in Daredevil, oh, where yeah. 
that was basically what those shows were too. It was just ripping off other shows. They were like, what if we made it a comic book character though? <laughs> so I'm hoping that we do start seeing some of those people start popping back up into Marvel MCU. Yeah. The rumor is Matt Murdock going to be Spider-Man's attorney oh. in Spider-Man 3. Okay. So we're we're getting there. There's a lot of Spider-Man 3 rumors flying around. I know, and I'm so interested to see cuz with the whole multiverse getting expanded now. Yeah. They can go a couple different ways and I just don't want it to get too like off the rails. Oh yeah. Cuz that's you can do in comics it makes sense. But in a movie, you can't just have like a throwaway of them meeting a different Avengers team. Yeah, I they'll I don't know. I have faith, but you never know. Hey, we'll see. It's it's off to Kevin Feige. Right. <laughs> uh, but speaking of number 84, we're jumping into Daredevil 168, the beginning of the Is that Frank Miller? Frank Miller run. Yeah. So a big thing with this one that they were saying in the little text bubbles here was that Frank Miller basically turned Daredevil into the dark, gritty character he is known for today and was still able to get all this passed through the comics code. Yeah, that's true. So he really turned Daredevil from that weird campy character into, hey, he lives in Hell's Kitchen. He kind of has a shit life, <laughs> and he's just really hoping God helps him. Yeah. It's... uh. The the Frank Miller changed Daredevil forever, much yeah. like he changed Batman forever. But I think I I would think Daredevil just kind of stuck around more because like no one really cared about that book until he started writing. It. I totally agree. I think Batman is such a timely thing that it's always going to be big. Everyone's going to have retakes on it that yeah. you can look back and be like, oh, I love this version of Bat. I love the Jim Lee Batman. I love the Frank Miller Batman. Everyone makes these like great stories for Batman, yeah. but Daredevil was always just kind of shunned away, and I feel like he's the perfect Frank Miller character because he hit, is just a naturally he's named after the devil. Yeah, well, yeah, it's dark. I mean, it's dark. You can't see. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Frank Miller loves dark stuff. He's like, what would be the darkest character I could do? And they're right. like, what about a blind one? He's like, no light. I love it. Yeah, right. Can I kill his girlfriend during it? And they're like, whatever you want to do. <laughs> we just killed Gwen Stacy. Yeah, we nuts. Just, we killed Gwen Stacy in a <laughs> super easy way, dude. If you want to kill this girl you just created, Electra, fucking go for it. Yeah. Well, the thing about Miller, too, much like Walter Simonson, he could draw, too. Yeah. I mean, that, well, and that was the big thing that they were saying was he was drawing Daredevil prior. Yeah. And then they finally let him do the scripts. And once the drawings and the scripts became like, unison yeah it was fucking no one over. wrote like that back then no it's it was all just like get that guy that robbed the bank like it's so much deeper and complex and i think it's just these guys wanting more character development a yeah. lot of these dudes read comics from a young age and your golden age and your silver age just don't have huge character development for people they're just selling books yeah you're selling yeah. books you're doing one-off stories maybe you get some larger overarching stories but it wasn't until because when is when did this come out? In mid eighties? No, no, earlier eighties, I think. Early, so, like earlier eighties, yeah, was I think people were really capitalizing on shock stuff too. Yeah, like because wasn't that when Speedy started doing heroin? Oh yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, because I, I know that one's definitely got to be in yeah. here. I mean, the fact that his name was Speedy, yeah, <laughs> which is a great. They, but they were like, he'll do heroin, not meth. <laughs> we're not going to lean that heavy into it. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it's it made Daredevil who he was. And, unfortunately, we've gotten some bad iterations since then of Daredevil. Yeah. But we've also gotten the Netflix show, standalone, does pretty well. But, yeah, I think it just creates this ominous character for Daredevil that he's held on to forever. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think Daredevil's gotten a reinvention of him being, like, a fun, lighthearted character. Like half the time, he he's either going to jail, or he's helping someone yeah. from going to jail, or he's at a funeral. Like well, I was reading some old Fantastic Fours, like Jack Kirby and Daredevil shows up a couple times and he's just like I'll use my cane, pop. Like it's yeah, just, it's like, always just like, like shitty things that you're like, dude, why do you? 
It, yeah. Your he weapon's was, a cane as, like, a blind guy. Seems like a really obvious... Yeah, it had, but it was, like, projectile. Like, oh, yeah. Like a toy you'd get at, like, like the drugstore, kind of. Like, that's... <laughs> it just, like, those, like boops that, the guy in the head. Like that pop gun that Winnie the Pooh always has with, like, the cork on yeah. the end of it. Like, I don't know what that's supposed to do, but... <laughs> that's just a fun toy for kids we give them. <laughs> um. All right, so let's move on to number 83. We are going with Ooh. Avengers number four. Yes. So you brought up a good point why Avengers number four, not Avengers number one. And we were saying Avengers number four, first appear- or reappearance of Captain America. Cap-, Cap is back. Which is cool because I'm glad that they brought back a character that was very World War II. Yeah. That almost doesn't have a place in like the current... In the 1960s when they were bringing this. Yeah. They didn't like war back then. Yeah, no. It was just a very... And they kind of reinvented him as like a man out of time. Yeah. I fucked with that because one, the Avengers, I was never super into as a kid. Me neither. I thought Avengers were definitely like a B-level... It was a ripoff of Justice League to me. Yeah. Because even as a kid, we started getting your Justice League the Animated, Justice League Unlimited. So that whole Timverse took over Team Heroes to me. Yeah, I you know like I kind of knew about the Avengers, like I knew that there was like Marvel's version of it, but I wasn't super familiar with it. No, and yeah. it was something that a lot of those characters were, especially when we were kids in the '90s and you know early 2000s, were fucking B level characters. Yeah. I mean, no one gave a fuck about Iron Man, Thor, Captain America. Yeah, like, yeah, like I cannot stress this enough. No one cared about Iron Man. No. I think I had one friend that was like really into Iron Man. I'm like, oh, good for you. I think it was just because he loved Black Sabbath, but he did have like the comics and stuff. Yeah. But I was like, no one really got into Iron Man. Because I was going to say, even in comics, I feel like Iron Man hadn't really had anything big until since Demon in a Bottle, mm-hmm. which I don't know when that came out. And that was, again, the time period when they were like, what if all the heroes had substance abuse problems <laughs> and they're like let's make iron man drunk yeah but that was yeah that was heavy people liked that though cuz it just it made him a little bit more human it, it humanized him yeah, but also sure. the character of iron man is not the cool charming robert downey junior that everyone now thinks about yeah. iron man as which the comics have retroactively made him be that kind of way cuz that's always how they once an actor puts a spin on it and they're like Oh, it turns out people like when they're funny, too. Right. Like, there's a fine line between, like, rich playboy and just straight-up asshole. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what he was prior to that, was just kind of a straight-up asshole yeah. that no one really cared about. And that's how all those characters were in it. I mean, Ant-Man and the Wasp was probably almost non-existent until, you know, the comics or the movies started coming out. Yeah. I mean, like, they are having, like, the Avengers. Yeah, they were having know, an Avengers, that's but... About it. I think it was smart of Disney to just be like, hey, I know we can't get all the A-list heroes. Let's build up a team of, one, actors that at the time were either not huge or were almost untouchable, Robert Downey Jr. Because they couldn't even get insurance for Robert Downey Jr. on Iron Man 1. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they were like, the insurance company was like, are you out of your... Oh, ensure the guy yeah. whose who did you blood hire? is cocaine? <laughs> yeah, hard pass on that. And, you hired who? And John Favreau was just like, yeah, but that beard's perfect, man. And he's <laughs> kind of a dickhead. So they ended up basically figuring out like a third-party insurance for it. And I never got heard that on. story. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, all those people were either fairly unknown or unredeemable in the eye of the public until they basically joined... Marvel, yeah, and then Marvel started getting your Paul Rudds and <laughs> you know all those other people. But I think it is a hugely important book of like bringing all these characters together. Yeah, and now Avengers is so much superior, I think, in most people's eyes than Justice League. It's it's crazy how things change like that. I have I, now I have read this Avengers four. Okay, and sub I, I see on the cover Submariner's in there. Yeah, can we talk about Submariner? Dude, the Does first anyone like Submariner? I'm sorry I, for any Submariner. Namor the Submariner. Yeah. Technically, I'm pretty sure one of the first mutants to appear in comics that is he technically a he's mutant? He's technically a mutant, which is a very weird. And I think he might he was prior to Rip Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, uh, was going to be the main villain in Black Panther two because Black Panther and Namor got a whole bunch of beef. 
Yeah, he's, I don't know. He's just so lame to me. Like, not even on, like, an Aquaman oh, level of lame. dude, he's got those fucking stupid wings on his feet, like a little pussy, dude. <laughs> but it's just, like, he, he, and then, like, there's always this conflict, like, well, he, he's a bad guy, but he's also kind of good. Like, I hate that. I hate yeah, when he, like, he's, he's in that weird zone of just being a dickhead king, because he's the king of ruler of Atlantis yeah. in Marvel's version, which I love that everyone has Atlantis except <laughs> the real world. They're like, no, it doesn't really exist. But he's the king of it, and... He doesn't really do much. He's not in comics no. a lot. I think he might be. Is he in the Illuminati? <laughs> in of comics? Oh, I don't, I'm not sure about that. Because I know there's like a whole group of Reed Richards, Professor X, um, fuck Iron Man, Doctor Strange. There's like a whole group that they call themselves the Illuminati. They do? Yeah, that it's Black Bolt, uh, Doctor Strange, Iron Man, basically all the heavy hitters. Black Bolt from like the Inhumans. From the Inhumans. Um, because Black Panther was going to be in it, and he was like, dude, this sounds like a real fucked up plan you guys have, and all you guys getting together like this, yeah, no one's going to like. And especially when Black Panther left, it was basically just eight white males. What, what book is this in? Um, They had their own Illuminati book, but they were the ones responsible. They shot Thor. Or not Thor. They shot Hulk into space, which oh. sets off the planet Hulk shit. Yeah, yeah. They're... Big behind the strings pullers for a time in Marvel. Hmm. I want to say it's probably during uh, like first Civil War, maybe. Yeah, it's like interesting that. story arc. Yeah, it's cool, but I don't know. Submariner just sucks. He sucks. His design sucks. I don't like his hair. I don't like the stupid fucking wings on his feet. <laughs> can you fly with those? Are you just like flying I've upside down? Like, essentially, he can like just shoot out of the water, and then that's that's what it. it gives him. Like he can shoot out of the. He's like a. Sh- it gives him Shamu powers. Yes, that he could just <laughs> jump slightly higher out of the water, but then he has to crescendo back into the does water. Does he eat fish, or the fish are his friends? How does that work? Does Aquaman? I eat think fish? he's just an asshole. First, speaking of these these aquatic themed superheroes, is, is Aquaman going to make an appearance here? <laughs> I don't. Do you think Aquaman? I could see Aquaman not making. I have never even read an Aquaman comic book. <laughs> oh, you know what? I have read the. First issue from, it's like the 90s run, where he has the hook hand. <laughs> oh, that's kind of cool. And we got it. It was signed by the uh, creator. Oh, wait, you have that? I had it. Um, me and my buddy used to always go up to this comic shop, Carol and John's. Yeah. Um, and we would just get shit all the time and just get like dumb, random stuff. So my buddy collected like that whole... Se- er, Probably like the first 25 issues from that series. I don't think we read any of them, but we just had the first one that was like, oh, this one's signed. We better get the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. And at that time, comics, especially that caliber, were cheap as fuck. It was like a buck fifty. They're still, yeah. Just because no one cares. Again, Aquaman stories usually suck. The only cool thing about Aquaman is Black Manta. Yeah. And even the movie stupid i didn't see i heard very mixed reviews so I one i get it jason momoa looks badass but he doesn't look like aquaman to me. no not at all you know what i mean i'm not i get that things can vary in movies to comics but he just doesn't have that like he seems too badass to me well little, little little too bad that's like, the thing they were trying to make aquaman cool though he was he god bless jason him. momoa was born to play lobo and we're <laughs> never gonna get that and that's what we should have had um, but from there, let's move on to number 82, or as I call it, the stupidest part of Superman's life, Superboy. Oh, okay. So this is not the Cadmus Superboy clone, badass leather jacket with yeah. the 90s haircut that oh, yeah. we all know and love. Mm-hmm. This is essentially the show Smallville, but in comic version, which I was never a big Smallville person, no. to be honest. Yeah. I It was too teen angsty. Very. And I, if I'm going to watch a comic book show, movie, something, I want some fucking real villains. Don't give me a kid that's bullying you on the football team. <laughs> You're fucking Superman, dude. <laughs> Figure it the fuck out. That's what that show lost me. There were so many problems that I'd be like, dude, just use Superman power on this. Right. He's like, I'm running late for school. <laughs> Bitch, you super speed. Then fly, man. Fly, dude. I don't know. <laughs> And I just was never a big Superman, especially early. So this one, no Super Dog's not in that one. No, this was what's his name? Crypto. Crypto. This was the first time that 
DC was like, hey, let's explore other parts of Superman's life or other people in Superman's world. And they already had his parents, mom, pa, Kent, fucking established. They had Smallville established. So I think they just took the easiest route. And then it did really well. Yeah. And that's what eventually led to Supergirl coming in, Mm -hmm. Crypto coming in, which I'll be honest, any super pet is so fucking... 70s to me yeah that it just and they still try to bring him in to comics now every once in a while because batman's got a dog yeah yeah and uh, oh in the in the show he does in the bruce tim show is his name like his name like fang or something um yeah i'm not uh, sure batman beyond maybe batman just, beyond yeah. he has one but even in the comics he has one that he puts like a little bat suit on <laughs> and it's like a golden or a german shepherd yeah oh yeah, of course it is and it's but it's like, it's got dude, the ears. why the fuck would you ever be like, all right, well, I'm going to be jumping roof to roof, chasing a lot of guys. I should bring an animal with me. <laughs> like, what happens when that dog just gets off the scent and just fucking wanders away? <laughs> and someone's like, I lost Crypto the Super Dog. Could be on the ground or in the sky. <laughs> if if seen, please return to owner. $10 reward. I know. people. Normal people lose their pets. You don't think Batman's going to lose that pet? It's just such a dumb, hokey thing to me to have, like, a pet. Yeah, as a superhero, I think it's resi- like it's like Scooby Doo, and that's it. That one hundred percent. That's even. It. I have a, already. You guys are bringing children into a world of just complete <laughs> crime. That you're like, hey, every day we could get murdered, and not just like regular yeah. shot and murdered. It's like, oh, you could get frozen in a giant block of ice, or poisoned, or have your whole body turned to dust. <laughs> like, yeah, or like and Green Arrow and Speedy. Yeah, yeah. Like, is it? Are you sure you want a, a little kid running around with you? What's the worst that could happen? He gets hooked on drugs. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly. That's what exactly what. <laughs> or I mean, Batman has lost what? Jason Todd killed. Yeah. I mean, granted, he comes back because it's comics, but the Joker definitely just killed his ass. Yep. And <sighs> it was even better because the DC fans voted for it. Oh yes, they did. Yeah, I remember. They were like, that. "Yeah, kill him, kill Jason Todd for yeah. sure." We want to read. I I'd read that. <laughs> I. See, I always was the big. Who's your Robin? Uh, definitely Dick Grayson. You go sure. Dick Grayson. Oh yeah, for sure. I go Tim Drake. Tim Drake's cool. I like Tim because I like Nightwing. Uh, Dick Grayson's Nightwing. I know that's what I'm saying. So oh, I okay. like. Oh I yeah, like yeah. Tim Drake as Robin. Dick Grayson as Nightwing. Yeah, they did a good job in the Batman video games with Tim Drake. I He's heard got that, that like badass like cloak and yeah. staff. It's it's really cool. See, I've never played. That's like the Arkham, all the Arkham series games. so good. I heard they were actually like good video games too. Like it's the fight combat and everything. They're terrific. I mean, they won a bunch of war. I mean, like Arkham Asylum was the first one. It was good. It was very fun. And everyone was, someone was like, finally, they made a good Batman game because there were so many bad ones. And then Arkham City, they just went all out. There's like literally every villain is in that I love, see, I fucking love that. Like, and they have a hard time. Comic books don't translate well into video games and video games don't translate well into movies. Oh, and the story is great. I mean, they, they made they made a bunch of them. Uh, Arkham City is the best. Too. If, you I was get, say, if you could play one, play Arkham City. I know there's at least three or there's four or five, five maybe? Uh, might be five. I, I was going to say, because I'm sure there was probably like a fucking Telltale game when those were still going on, where yeah. it's just like a choose-your-own-adventure shit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I always wanted to get, I'm just not a video game player. Yeah. I wish I was. I'll let you watch me play. I know you're a watcher. That's, yeah, I want to just watch someone play Arkham. <laughs> um, all right, so from the Abomination of Superboy at 82, <laughs> we are about to jump into Pogo the Possum number one. Huh. I, I, I'm yeah, going to be honest and say I'm not familiar with Pogo it's, the Possum. I don't think anyone <laughs> is probably super familiar with Pogo the Possum. Um, from what I read is basically early fifties, uh, maybe even forties that it's basically anthropomorphic fucking animals doing shit. Um, even got a little, little marching band going on. Even when I read the description of it, I was still fairly confused as to why it made the list. Cause I think it was just an early kids comic. Um, I know that they talk about Will Eisner, um, partially being involved with yeah. it and oh, stuff really? like that. Yeah. So it kind of has that historical value, but I think as far as a comic goes, it's that very loose term of this is a comic versus this is just a kid's book that has multiple panels on a page. Yeah. I mean, the only reason it says here in 2004, it could fetch a thousand dollars if you have a 9.2, but 
it's probably only because, like we said, Will Eisner's name's attached to it. For those that don't know, Will Eisner, the spirit. Um, Classic. You know, he basically kind of, I mean, there, he has the Eisner Award for comic book art. That's that's how prolific he yeah, is. Yeah, he is, he is the predominant name, I would say, in the history of comics. With and, and the concept of, like, the superhero, it, who yeah. is basically a, a private eye with a mask. Well, and doesn't, <laughs> wasn't Will Eisner super heavy in the creation of Disney, I want to say? No, that's Michael Eisner. Well, no, no, I know that's <laughs> Michael Eisner, but I wanted to say that Will Eisner had a similar, like, hand style to Walt Disney. Oh, oh art-wise, a little bit. Yeah, a yeah. little bit. Even in his signature, which is kind of weird. That's why I was going to say, because I yeah. want to say, don't they both have those fucking weird-looking eyes in it? The Ws? Yeah, they do, yeah. like, the weird Ws and eyes that it kind of looks similar. That Like, Disney, as a kid, I had no idea. I don't think I knew what half the letters in the Disney name were supposed to be. <laughs> I just knew be. they looked cool. I knew it looked like Disney. And in my mind, I was like, that spells Disney. You're like, oh, yeah, that's a D, right? Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> I was like, I thought that was a G this whole time. What the fuck? Um, but from one classic to another, um, in number 80, we get Military Comics, which, as I've stated before, classic uh, World War II military comic. This does have the first appearance, though, of the Blackhawk, which is kind of the last standing World War II hero for DC. So every once in a while, you get a small little um, glimpse of them in comics where it's like they're usually super old and you know they have some secret or some bullshit. But yeah, they still do kind of exist uh, in comics, but... Yeah, it's war comics. I feel like you've read one, you've kind of read them all, and it's just a weird thing now because it's just like Americans going to beat up random people, yeah. and everyone on the team is always like they kind of praise the diversity of the team in this. Meanwhile, the only Asian character's name is Chop Chop. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I guess it was diverse for 1940, but nowadays you're like, yeah, you can't do that. We're not gonna call be calling anyone chop chop around yeah. here. Well, and I heard I've heard that the chain the shift in comics for being less like you know war kind of themed comics and into more like superhero and things like that was because people were over the war. They were a hundred percent. They were just like you know we <laughs> this you know the amount of violence and just the yeah it's you went through one of the largest war of the world yeah they're like you know what we need to and then that's like archie comics came into the scene yeah they want hey i want riverdale i want nice yeah i want a nice like fun thing to be going on i don't need like this crazy bullshit of like us still being in war and you don't it's also like a morale thing that's like the war's over i think they were kind of like hey let's all like not focus on well yeah these guys that came back from the war were writing the comics like yeah i don't want (laughs) to write about the thing i just got out of exactly and it's also kind of bastardizing in a bit of writing a comic where a superhero or just someone just saves the day when in reality you're like oh really well a bunch of my friends all died during this and it was a fucking bloodbath and it was horrible so let's not make light of it to be captain america came in and knocked out hitler and we won and it's like right in the jaw everyone who was in the war was like no (laughs) now what happened dude fuck you guys um so from Number 80 to number 79, I'm going to call this the all-black comics. Um, does have... I don't think Negro is a dirty word. It's the all-Negro comics, <laughs> number one. Um, the reason for it being in, I'm not really sure where that lies on the spectrum of things, but it is the actual title, yeah. so I guess it can't be the worst. But it was the first all-African-American created comic. So created in Philadelphia in the 1940s. Uh, basically showing actual African-Americans doing like real-life things and kind of showing the troubles. A big thing they had was showing the troubles of black police officers at the time. Okay. Which I think is a hugely interesting thing, especially in fucking 1940, yeah. where I couldn't even imagine all the different issues that would arise from that. And I think even in 1940, having someone willing to publish this comic at a height of time where racial relations were not even in the forefront because it was just a non-issue of this is how it is and this is how it's going to be. And unfortunately, they only got one issue out, I believe. 
because of the fact that um, they were basically blacklisted from getting products sent out. Yeah. Um, so it was really only within the city of Philadelphia that it started to kind of catch on and, you know, get some growth. But no one was shipping it anywhere else. Right. Then they, in this little article, they try to explain it could have been that that's how they treated all new comics in the industry. When at the end of the day, you're like, we oh, know, really? We know that's The one <laughs> all-black comic can't get any paper made for it? Like, right. it's just an old, weird thing. But I have to imagine that this helps at least slightly pave the way for, who is it, Tallahassee Coates, who does the phenomenal Black Panther run. Yeah. And just a lot of other people to Dwayne McDuffie, all these other people of color able to get into the comic industry and express stories in a more popular way yeah. than necessarily writing a, a daunting book that a small amount of people are going to read. Everyone's reading comic books. Yeah. So everyone can see these like, and you get that visual too, that I think shows, you know, different people's journeys in life. And even being a superhero, you're like, oh, wow, it still sucks. Cause you're like, I still live in this shitty fucking society we've developed. So even though I can fly and punch you through a wall, you're still going to treat me like an asshole. Right. So, I mean, I definitely get this one. I do fully understand the importance of it being in there. Yeah. And I mean, the few people's hands it, it got into, you know, like you said, there was limited distribution. I'm sure it had a, a ripple effect and people were. Yeah, it's you know. definitely. I mean, a lot of the comics, the best comics coming out, even if you think about someone, Jim Lee, yeah. who's, you know, of Asian descent, who has done probably some of the best artwork synonymous with Marvel and DC to this day. And it's like, yeah, just letting other people in the door. And I think comics were really good at that in the beginning because everyone thought it was a fucking joke anyways. Yeah. So it wasn't like Stanley changed his name because he was embarrassed to tell people that he worked. He wrote in comics. comics. Yeah. He was saving his name for the great yeah, for, American novel. Yeah. For doing <laughs> something wrote. real. And yeah. it's like, so that's where I think a lot of these people got more play and were able to kind of convey stories that a public, a normal publisher would be like all right, this seems like a money grab for somebody. We're not. Fuck this. Or it's just not as interesting to people necessarily. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, unfortunately, but, hey, if you have a copy in 2004, it was worth $9,000. So Oh, my God. Well, yeah, it was limited. But that's the, the heart and soul of comic books in general. You know, it's people of different races and backgrounds and superpowers, and people look different, but they interact with each other, you know? Um. From there, we're going to move on to, Sean, I feel like this is right up your alley, but Strange Tales, number oh, yeah. one. Absolutely. I feel like you might have a little bit of info on this one. I have not read Strange Tales, but I do know that they are important for bringing in a lot of different characters. Because it was a Marvel Marvel comic, right? Eventually. Okay, so it, yes. was it early at like a... Like Fawcett or Quattle. yeah like one okay. of those early uh distributors and you know these were great books because there was multiple stories with different characters and stuff like that kind of like a variety show if you will um and that they kind of brought that horror aspect which like has a lot of collectability for some people i have a friend who's really into stuff like that old you know strange tales and, and well, books like that yeah and tales gonna, from the crypt i was gonna say even like the artwork on this first issue looks fucking amazing yeah it basically looks like a kid's in a house with a musketeer and the house is on fire filled with zombies i mean it just screams 50s but obviously yeah strange tales eventually brought us uh nick fury and dr strange Doctor one of strange, my personal yeah. favorites so like it definitely has its place yeah i mean i I think the cover, I'm not a huge horror comics in general person, but I do, I think the art cover art for all horror comics is usually some of the best just because it's so detailed. And for horror, you really want to have all those deep details in for people to kind of linger on yeah. and talk about how freaky it is. Um, but then, yeah, I just, the respect of it bringing in uh, so many new characters, Nick Fury, Doctor Strange, people like that. I loved how they used to do that, where it was just, hey, here's a book, and we're just going to put three or four different mini stories in it, let people kind of get introduced to these new characters, and then vet it out, where now you just get, all right, there's a new Iron Man. Here's the new Iron Man. And it either, like, it, you know, sinks or swims, and yeah. then you're like, man, if you had just done a small story for this, we could have seen if people liked it, and then if we didn't, we're not wasting 
a couple months on getting the three issues of this that you already have in production out to realize, oh, this fucking sucks and we're about to scrap it. <laughs> if that makes sense. It's true. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, Spider-Man was in, it was it Amazing Fantasy yeah, and stuff it's, like that. It's having those like tro- like those proving grounds yeah. almost for people to be like, oh, I want to hear more about this. Where now you just get a bunch of stuff that you're like, no one cares. And now this is just taking up space on your roster to be like, sick. We didn't want this character. And now you're just, you have to wait this amount of time because it's already blocked off that. All right, we'll do three issues, one a month. Yeah. So now for the next three months, if that's your favorite character's story arc, kind of, you're like, cool. Well, I guess I don't get Batman this month or the next three months because it's fucking Jason Todd killing people in a Batman costume. <laughs> and people are just like, yeah, this kind of sucks. Um, so that, on that note, we are going to wrap it up. Uh, a little bit of closing business here. If you are not aware, we are now on Podbean. Um, hopefully getting everything uploaded, getting some descriptions, hopefully getting up onto Spotify, other platforms for you guys to listen. We're going to continue doing our greatest comic book series, try and get that hopefully going weekly, if not more often for you. We're going to be doing episodes with Eric and myself, traditional classic threads and dreads, and maybe even getting some third episodes in for you guys. Just trying to get a nice uh, content dump per week for everybody. So that way, plenty to listen to, plenty to enjoy. If you do want to donate to the pod, it's Worst of Pat on Cash App or Venmo. Let us know podcast in the notes, and we will direct that money where it needs to be. Uh, But, yeah, on my end, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Sean, you got anything? Hey, like Pat said, thanks for listening. Check us out on Podbean. I mean, as of today, there'll be eight episodes on there. So, um, yeah. yeah, guys, thanks for checking us out. And um, we'll keep it coming if you keep listening. Peace.